love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hello. Hello. Just have, before we start, just a few moments of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. Help us to listen, not just with our ears, but with our whole being. May my thoughts, my words, be always guided by you. Amen. Amen. I want you to try and imagine that you were one of those disciples, those early disciples, listening to Jesus' words that we've just heard. Earlier, you've heard and you've responded to his call, and you're trying to follow him. You're sitting with him on top of the mountaintop. He's been speaking incredibly powerful words, teaching about who should be blessed, teaching about anger, adultery, divorce, strong words indeed. And now he's speaking about loving our enemies. So if you were one of those early disciples, how would you feel? Would you feel challenged, amazed, confused, frightened, humbled? Would you want to run away, believing that all this is too much, all this following Jesus all the time is too much, and you should and want to go back to your ordinary life? Now, if I was honest, I would say I'd be feeling all those emotions. I'd want to run away. Because to be told that we should love our enemies was against the accepted norms of the society at that time. The teaching was that only good Jews were considered to be neighbours. And other people, like pagans, like tax collectors that we've heard, they were the enemies. They weren't like us. And things are no different today. To love our enemies isn't seen as natural. Human reasoning detects, detects that we love those who love us and we hate those who hate us. So who do we consider to be our neighbor? Does, does anybody know these words? <laughs> yeah. And would anybody like to sing them? Neighbor. Well done. Okay. No, we're probably showing our age here, but uh, that is from obviously a long standing Australian soap based on a sunny street in Australia where everyone looks the same, they're all very beautiful, they tend to behave in the same way. Neighbours are people that are just like us. People that we borrow 
cups of sugar from or in Australia have a barbie with or whatever. People that invite us around for meals. These people we find easy to love. So I'm loving and I'm being a good Christian if I love those around me. But think about it. What did Jesus say about the concept of a neighbour? If you think about the Gospel of Luke, and Luke talks about the the lawyer questioning him, who is my neighbour? And Jesus replies with a parable of the Good Samaritan, where the hated Samaritan was the one who helped the injured Jew. Now, this wasn't the accepted way of behaving in that society. It was not only a challenge to the lawyer, but a challenge to the society at the time. We also see Jesus' willingness to talk to the Samaritan woman at the well. Again, something that was countercultural for that time, and his forgiveness for those people who persecuted and crucified him. So, such examples tell us that Jesus' concept of who is my neighbour is much wider and more inclusive than just having a nice person next to us that we can borrow that sugar from. If you think about, focus on verses 46, 47, Jesus says, For if we love those who, who love us, what reward do we have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if we greet only, only our brothers and sisters, what more are we doing more than others? So Jesus is using the very powerful examples of those groups in society who are considered to be the enemy, people who are very different, such as the tax collectors and the pagans, and saying that even they love and greet each other. They too can be loving towards one another. Because if we just love those who love them, really we are no different from any other groups that we may fear or condemn or hate. Now, as part of my training, I've been encouraged to read different books and do different things. The idea is that somehow you get a little bit out of your comfort zone. And I read a book written by a young woman who has been the victim of child prostitution. Now, it's a very challenging and disturbing book to read, especially as I'm the mother of daughters of a similar age to this girl. But I read it as I wanted to understand something that I feared, something that appalled and something that shocks me. But what was interesting in this book was that there were bonds of friendship between the men who were committing the abuse. It was disturbing, but you could see that there was some kind of care between each other, and in some ways you could say these men looked after each other. So if we as Christians are to just love those like us, we are no different from that group of people that I might fear, condemn, or judge. Yet, we are called, just like those early disciples, to be different, to be, as Jesus said, the salt and the light to the world. And as followers of Christ, we are called to be countercultural, to act outside the accepted ways of behaving towards people who are not like us, people we might consider to be the enemies, We are challenged to be more inclusive in our definition of who is my neighbour. And we are challenged not only to respect, but to love our enemies. And that is an enormous challenge. Because what does it mean to our daily lives? 
What does it mean to today, today being Remembrance Sunday, a day when we stop and remember the incredible sacrifices that have been made? People gave up their lives and we should always remember and honour them. And it's very challenging to stand here and talk about these words because how can I talk about loving my enemy with honesty and integrity which when many people of my generation and brought up, brought up in a particular comfy rural environment, I've never been involved in any war or conflict. I've never been persecuted. So I've never had any real or identified living enemy. So what do these words mean to me? And how different would I hear these words if somebody I love would be killed serving his country, my father, my husband, my brother or son. There's a program just started on the television called Army Wives Choir, where a group of army wives get together to sing. And it makes for interesting viewing, and it challenges us to question, how would this group of isolated, frightened, and often angry women respond to these words with scorn, with anger, with derision, with love. Yet, yet there are people who have demonstrated and are demonstrating through their lives that they love their enemy and they can pray for those who can persecute them. Now, I remember Sunday school days of listening to a story about Corrie ten Boon, who was a Christ, Dutch Christian who died in 1983. She spent many years in a concentration camp where she saw many deaths. But when she was released, she wrote about her experiences. And she remembers being approached by a former camp guard who was known to be one of the most cruel. She talks about being really reluctant to, to, to forgive, but she prayed that she would be able to forgive him. And she quotes, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. So such loving Christian-like actions are a powerful light in this often dark world, a light that can shine for everyone to see, a light that the world needs to see. Now, in this particular passage that we've heard, Jesus not only tells us about, how, about this commandment, but he also tells us how to do it. He tells us to love, he tells us to pray, he tells us to greet, and he tells us to be perfect. And all these demand closer reflection. First of all, he tells us how to love, but actually what does this mean? If we want to know what love is and what Jesus means by love, we need to look at his words, his life and his death. We need to consider the wonderful description of love that's outlined by St. Paul's in Corinthians. And when I was preparing this, this talk this morning, I read um, Martin Luther King, who's preached on this passage in 1957. And I wanted to just quote the whole thing because he's a lot more eloquent than I am. But he defined love as it's an overwhelming, it's an overflowing love. 
It's an overflowing love. It's what theologians call the love of God working in the lives of men. And when you rise to love on this level, you begin to love men, not because they're likable, but because God loves them. You look at every man and you love him because you know that God loves him. And he might be the worst person you've ever seen. And of course, that goes for women as well, but (laughs) (laughs) just to be inclusive. But these are really powerful words, and we need to take them on board. If we don't love like this, if we only love our neighbours and not our enemies, we are not re- and we don't live out our lives. We are just remaining those noisy, clanging symbols that Paul spoke about in his letter to the Corinthians. Paul also tells us to pray, to pray for those who persecute us. Again, a massive challenge. Because how how easy is it for us to pray for those we don't like or don't love or whose behaviour might confuse or disgust us? Do I pray? Do I pray honestly for those, those people I talked about who abuse children to really hold them before God? Or do I pray that they won't come to live in my village or make contact with my children? What do I really want to do? Jesus tells us how to pray later in his teaching, in what became the Lord's Prayer. But how easy is it to say, your will be done, for people we might not even like? Yet prayer is crucial to everything. Because when we hold up someone to God in prayer, we are giving them to God and letting his will be done. So we must pray. Jesus told us to greet Meeting, meaning greeting those who are both friend and foe. Now, as a church community, we feel it's important to greet and welcome people, both to our services and to look for fresh expressions for engaging new people. And in my experience of this church, that goes on in a really loving way. But, but how and who do we welcome? Do we always greet the same people each week? And when we're exchanging the peace during the Holy Communion service, do we include those people that we might not like, those who are not our friends? And what would happen if a stranger came into this service today who we knew to be abusive or challenging in some way? If the person who annoys us at work, who pinches what we think is our parking space, or the person who ignores us at college, or, or at lunchtime, what would we do if that person or those people, for example, come to us? Would we be able to welcome them? Yet, yet Jesus did, and he still does. He prayed for, he greeted, and he welcomed into his Father's kingdom all those who were considered to be enemies and outcasts. And we, as his followers, can do the same. Jesus tells us here to be perfect. Now, this is a massive challenge because what does it mean? How can we be perfect, as perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect? The original meaning of perfect in Aramaic is completeness or wholeness, not lacking in what is essential. But it's very humbling to realize and to know that what we need to do his will and to live as his followers We've got all we need 
from God to be his hands and his feet and his voice in today's world. God's love for us was and is perfect, and as his followers we're challenged to do the same. Loving our enemies is not an easy challenge, but through prayer, through faith, and through commitment of being a true disciple, we can do it. Let's just have a few moments of prayer. Father, we are here following your call to love you 24-7, just like those early disciples. Show us how to love like you love. And may we let your love and your light shine through us all the time, not just at this particular time of worship, but always. Show us how to be the salt and the light. Let us be welcoming and loving to all those we consider to be our enemies. Let us always remember the power of prayer. Your will be done. Amen.